The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Well, you know, we get a lot of questions from audience members. Uh, Some of them want to break into the industry, do their own fantasy rankings, things like that. Dave and Heath, do you think it's a good idea to tell them, hey, don't ever worry about being wrong? Is that good advice or bad advice or, or medium advice? I would say don't spend a lot of time worrying about being wrong. Spend a lot of time worrying about your process and how you come to your conclusions before the games each week and then learn from the games each week. You gotta have a short memory. It's like an NFL cornerback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every mistake just goes away as soon as the four million Twitter notifications complaining about it does. I will never get over Monty Ball. <laughs> yeah, you know, but today we are gonna worry about being wrong because today we're talking about the ten players that we're worried about being wrong about. So you can do that. I mean, you could definitely uh, second guess yourself a lot in this industry in this biz. So now, we, I, w- we'll I was about intentional that. about something, and I'm wondering if Dave was as well. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but all of the guys that I said I was worried about being wrong about, I'm worried I'm too low on. There was no one on the list that I was worried I was too high on. Mm. Dave? No, there's there's some where I'm, I'm almost like in the middle, where I wonder if I'm not low enough. Okay. All right, we will. All right, so Dave, uh, Heath has a theme. Dave is themeless, except the theme is players were worried about being wrong about. So let's get right to that. Give me one of each. How about Heath? You can start the player, one player that you're worried about being wrong about. But this is by far, by the way, of all the shows we do, this is the wordiest. So in terms of the titles, <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if that's true at all. The title. Um, like I, you, you've put together some some real tongue twisters in the past, and but I, I'll say uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh wow! Okay, that was the um, one on your list. I was like, really? That's interesting. Because yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Jackson. Smith I mean, he's Jigba. he's connected to another guy on my list, Geno Smith. We can talk about Geno Smith a little bit later, but I just think like we've seen the last couple of years when a truly elite wide receiver comes into the NFL they quite often produce like a truly elite wide receiver in that first year. And it may not happen in week one, but we see it by week six or by week eight, or we see it sporadically throughout the season. And I've just, you know how big of a fan I am of Tyler Lockett. 
And I've been going on five years now of saying that DK Metcalf's not the number one. It's Tyler Lockett 1A and 1B. And like obviously, DK's a great talent. And Seattle's not been a team that throws the ball 700 times. So as someone who does projections, it's hard to rank JSN as someone that you would want to draft even as a top 35 wide receiver. But I think long-term, if he hits his ceiling, he's better than Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf have ever been. Um, and Lockett's over 30, and DK's not proven to be like a Justin Jefferson-like target earner. It's possible JSN, the second half of this season, is the number one wide receiver on Seattle. Mm, okay, and you, you know, you are basically calling him an elite wide receiver prospect or yeah, you're saying you're saying too. he might be um i think the only reason that i would add the the basically is because it was just one year right um but what he did in that one year in terms of yards per route run was better than anything justin jefferson or jamar chase did um in terms of overall elite production on a team with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson um, and outproducing both of them? Yes. I think if it wasn't for the fact that it was just one year, there would be no basically about it. It would just be he is. Um, but there's there's that tiny bit of sample size concern. Okay. Dave, you want to respond to that or you want to go to your guy? Uh, I'll respond first. I, I love Jackson Smith and Jigba as a player. Calling him elite, I feel like, is a little bit of a stretch. He was drafted 20th overall. A lot of the receivers that we call elite in the NFL are drafted toward the top of the draft. Sometimes players come out of nowhere, and they end up being great, and they become elite, but there's like a much slower path to that. Um, Drake London, top 10 pick last year, did not put up elite numbers for fantasy football, just as an example of a rookie wide receiver who a lot of people loved, and he just didn't come through in fantasy. The situation that JSN is in is worse than what Drake London is Oh, in. I disagree not, with that. Not quarterback-wise, but just as far as sharing targets. His first year, it's a team that's loved to run the football a lot of the time. I'm, I am the absolute lowest on JSN among the three of us, and it's not even close. Heath, you've got him as like a round eight pick. I think Jamie's got him in round nine. I'm like round 10, 11 border, and that's full PPR. Even if he is a second half of the season breakout player, that means someone's drafting him in every single home league and they're going to sit through that or are they going to cut him? And I wonder if there's a chance to buy low on him for that second half push if he looks even remotely good in the first half. Point being, if he was this dominant receiver, and he was really good in high school in Dallas, by the way, if he had that great one year and the whole NFL bought into him, he wouldn't have gone 20th overall. He wouldn't have gone to the Seahawks. No, I think if he would have had more than one year, that wouldn't have been the case. I think the fact that it was one year and it wasn't last year is probably why. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Look, Justin Jefferson went in the 20s, right? CeeDee Lamb went in the late teens. So you can be, I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I'd say Lamb is close to an elite receiver. You can go in that range and still be an elite receiver. Well, like the guys who have been the best receivers in the NFL the last five to ten years, where were they drafted? I mean, it's pretty much it's all over, all the, over place. the place. Yeah, but, right. Well, no, it's not like be. like Tyreek Hill was obviously a character concern guy and fell. Right. Oh, Devontae um, Adams, day two. Yep. Um, Diggs. Diggs was Diggs round was four, fifth, round fifth? yeah, round five, yeah, something like day three. Like so, Moore was a Cooper like Cup was round three, three. right? Yeah. So right. I don't, I, I don't know that I agree that the fact that he wasn't a top ten or fifteen pick has a lot of bearing on whether he's going to be an elite wide receiver. Right, but we can't call him an elite wide receiver the same way that we've called other wide receivers that have entered the league. Yeah, I guess the last thing, maybe, Heath, is that if you look at the elite wide receivers who have been great as rookies, like great, great as rookies, maybe most of them are picked earlier than that. Jefferson was not. But, you know, look, uh, I don't know that it really matters. Uh, I, I, would, I see what you're saying. It's just hard for me to think of a guy who had a huge rookie season with two receivers like that. Well, I think, yeah, and I think that's the point. And, like, DK has not quite been what we viewed him as right yeah um no wait. one year no um and Lockett's over 30 so and I, I i just wonder how much we should be considering they threw it more last year than they did with russ 
Then they went out and got a JSN. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe all those years of running it too much with Russ, we shouldn't be holding them against them as much as we are. All right, Dave Richard, who's one player that you're worried about being wrong about? I'll pick another wide receiver. I'm worried about being wrong about Christian Kirk of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And again, comparing him to Heath and Jamie, Heath's taking Christian Kirk, according to his PPR rankings, in round three. Jamie's looking at round five. I'm closer to round seven. I'm in early round seven on Christian Kirk. I've been pretty outspoken about Calvin Ridley. I'm buying into what uh, the reports are out of minicamp that he's looking great and that the, the coaches have to reel him in because they, they're, they're still just ramping him up. They know the season's a couple months away. I think Ridley's going to be the number one in Jacksonville. And I think Christian Kirk can get sort of close in terms of targets. I think he could have a year like his last year in Arizona, had 103 targets in 17 games, basically had 200 PPR points over the course of the season, averaged right around 12 per game. I think he's I, – I don't see him as being a 1B to Calvin Ridley's 1A, or I don't see Christian Kirk being a 1A to Calvin Ridley's 1B. I, I just – I think he's good. I think Calvin Ridley will prove to be the better receiver, or Jacksonville will spread it all around. They'll keep using Zay Jones. They'll keep using Evan Ingram. They're going to use Evan Ingram anyway. I think we're all hoping that Travis Etienne gets a target share and that it flattens everybody. And so I'm almost worried, and I'm the low guy on Christian Kirk, I'm worried that round seven might be even just a shade too high. I think it's definitely too high in non-PPR. I can't take him that high in non-PPR. But in full PPR, I wonder if I'm if I'm still overvaluing him just a little bit. Mm. That wide receiver 34, man. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Calvin Ridley could still be great. I mean, Calvin Ridley could be a top five wide receiver and Christian Kirk could finish as wide receiver 34, you know? I mean... You know what's so funny about Kirk is I almost feel like people's evaluations of Kirk, I feel like Kirk is the least important factor in that. It's like, <laughs> are you buying a Trevor Lawrence breakout? Are you buying Calvin Ridley? How how good do you think Calvin Ridley is going to be? How much of a role do you think Zay Jones is going to be? That's just my take. It's like nobody, I don't think anybody thinks that Christian Kirk maybe can reach another level as a player, right? He was, uh, I think he was like wide receiver 12 or 13 last year, closer to 20 per game. Um so it's almost like people are kind of guessing what the other pieces around Kirk are going to be, um, what how good they're going to be, Heath. That's sort of how I see it. You see it the same way? And I and then just to finalize the point, you're not as high on Calvin Ridley and you're super high on Christian Kirk compared to Dave and Jamie. Right, and I just think like there's 202 targets that went to Zay Jones and Marvin Jones last year. Um, and True. those guys were terribly inefficient with those targets. And so I I think if they – I don't know that Calvin Ridley couldn't come in and get 130 targets and not really impact Christian Kirk. Um, I do think it's really unlikely that Ridley comes in and sees a significant number of targets more than Kirk, considering that we saw Kirk earn 133 targets and be the, the best wide receiver on the team last year that Ridley hasn't played football for two years and has none of that connection with Trevor Lawrence, and that Doug Peterson hasn't really had an alpha number one target earner. Like, he's a good, he's really good at designing offenses that the defense doesn't necessarily know where you're going with the ball. And I think where he got in trouble in Philadelphia is where he got away with that and got a little bit too predictable. But I don't, I don't think we're going to see one guy get 30% of the targets. Or twenty-seven percent of the targets in Jacksonville. I think it's probably going to be Kirk and Ridley chopping up the wide receiver targets like Kirk and Zay Jones did last year, and then Ingram having his tight end share that's always been present in the Peterson offense. Right. Like I don't even know if it's worth it to go back and look and see what um, Alshon Jeffrey's target share was in Philadelphia when Peterson was there. Uh, how do you think that there's a way that Ridley could have forty more targets? Four zero more than Christian Kirk, or do you think it's just going to be real close between those two? I have them both at ex projected for exactly 134. So the same exactly number. Exactly 134. So one more target than Kirk had last year. Yeah, and, yeah. and 40 targets over 17 games is less than 2.5 per game. So if Ridley had two more targets per game, that's 34 more targets per game. Think of it that way. Um, but Dave, do you agree with that assessment that the evaluation of Christian Kirk is almost like yeah. And I'll tell you and I'll tell you also because we did beyond the box score I think and and it was said, you know, uh, I think Dan and Jared said, I don't know why 
Christian Kirk's going so much higher than Zay Jones because they think Zay Jones will have uh, more of an impact than I, I think it sounds like we think he will. Um, you know, because I, I will say if, if they're right about Zay Jones, then Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk are both going to bust. Agreed. Yeah, probably. Agreed. And so it's almost like the project we should have over the next month is to figure out is Doug Peterson going to commit to spreading the ball around so that he is more unpredictable? And if that's the case, then we're all wrong on Kirk and Calvin Ridley. And uh, we should start drafting Zay Jones with one of our last few picks. Well, look, I at, just, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just think like specifically for Zay Jones, like it was the first time in his career he had anywhere close to that many targets. And he turned 121 targets into 823 yards, which was a career high at year six. I just think if you have Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram healthy, Zay Jones is not going to matter. Is 6.8 yards per target good, Heath? If you're a running back. <laughs> yeah, that was absolutely. Zay Jones. And just so it's out there, last year, Ingram had 98 targets. Zay Jones had 121 in 16 games. Kirk had 133. So three guys with 98 targets in that offense, regardless of position. I just want to make one more point, then I'm going to go through the ADPs real quick. Uh Kirk played 67% of the snaps in the slot. So I do like yeah. that for Kirk. Yep. You know, he is their slot guy. I think so, too. That's a very high percentage, by the way. Um, Calvin Ridley, NFC ADP uh, since June 1st, 91 drafts. Calvin Ridley is wide receiver 21. He's going 44th. Christian Kirk, not far behind. Wide receiver 25. So only four wide receivers later and only basically 10 picks later. 53rd overall. And then Zay Jones is... Wide receiver 56, and he's going 130th overall. But it's a pretty small gap between Kirk and um, between Ridley at wide receiver 21 and Kirk at wide receiver 25. All right, let's uh, hit the news and notes here. There's not a lot of it. Before we do that, I just want to tell you we have a ton of other podcasts. Uh, Heath's Dynasty podcast uh, will maybe soon be having its own feed. I think I might, I don't know if I'm speaking too soon, but. Uh, it won't go away, but it might go away from this feed, but it, it exists, and you're going to hear a pre-recorded episode. <laughs> it exists very much so. Uh, you'll hear a pre-recorded <laughs> episode tomorrow on July 4th. Happy 4th of July to everybody out there. Uh, we have soccer podcasts. We have combat sports podcasts. We have college football podcasts. We've got fantasy baseball. Go to cbssports.com slash podcasts and check it all out. They exist. I only have one news item here, and it's from uh, a write-up about the Panthers in The Athletic from Joseph Person. He believes that running back Raheem Blackshear could be an outlet in the passing game for Bryce Young, and he mentioned Jonathan Mingo and Terrace Marshall as risers from camp, standouts from camp. Go ahead. Did, uh, did you guys see pictures of Bryce Young lately? No, it's like his, it looks like he's his middle school graduation compared to uh, everyone no, else. No, stop. Apparently, he's put on a little more muscle, okay. and they're trying to get him bulked up a little bit more. I couldn't really tell based on the pictures that I saw. So maybe someone who like has seen a lot of pictures of Bryce Young can tell me that he's thicker now than he was when he got drafted. Adam, you don't get to make Bryce Young as small jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you understand how this works, but you don't get to make those jokes. Well, if I stood around six foot five offensive lineman all day, I would expect those jokes, you know? If you stood around five foot eleven podcast analysts all day, you would get those jokes. Okay, excuse how how tall is Bryce Young? Let's what are his measurements here? I believe five, he's nine? five ten. Okay, he's barely taller than me. Because if you round up, I'm 5'9". And how many pounds does he have on you? Uh, that is, uh, let's see. Let's see what he weighed, measured it at the combine. Uh, you know, I have been gaining some weight. I'm trying to, I'm trying to lose it, actually. I'm in a Maybe you should of, join a gym. Uh, so he was listed at 5'10", 204 pounds. Okay. It's very different than me. That's, so he's got about 55 pounds on you? I ho- 60? I'm trying to get that down to closer to 60 pounds on me. Okay. That, that's what I'm hoping Right now, it's about 55 pounds, yeah. Uh, okay, so that's our news item. But does it matter? Raheem Blackshear could be an outlet in the passing game at running back, and then Mingo and Marshall both had good camps. Uh, Dave, anything matter? I, I I just took Blackshear in round eight of a best ball dynasty 
rookie slash veteran draft. Oh, is that the league where we've been in for two years and I've won both of the years? You have. Okay. You are the, you are the two-time reigning defending <laughs> champion of that league. I'm trying to catch you in that one. And uh, oh, that I'm league. Sure you're gonna help me. <laughs> well, wow! I can't believe you brought it was that either, up. It was like Blackshear or Lou Nichols or who else was it? Tegan Quitterano. Uh, <laughs> if I pronounce that right, I there there's just nobody left. So I saw Blackshear out there, and I said, "Let's go for it." Okay. All right, we're gonna take a break on that note, and when we come back, players we're worried about being wrong about after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Well, let's start with Geno Smith, Heath. Let's continue our JSN discussion here. The second half of the year, he threw like 36 times per game or something like that. I can look that up, but they got very pass heavy late in the year. And all right, what, what are you worried about? Where do you have him ranked? Talk about Geno. I think it's two sides because on one, I'm expecting a little bit of regression from Gino last year. I mean, I was making the joke about what Zay Jones had done in his career before last year. The difference, obviously, is that Gino was actually good. Um, but like, as a rule, I bet against the uh, age 32 breakout, repeating that at age 33. Um, but he was legitimately one of the best passers in the NFL last year. And he has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and JSN at wide receiver. And so I'm concerned, like, what if he's actually a little bit better as a passer than he was last year? And they throw 36 times a game all year long, and he's just a top six fantasy quarterback again. The flip side of that is there's a lot of guys who did not perform like they did the year before or two years ago that I'm expecting to bounce back. Um, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, a lot of guys that Geno Smith was better than last year that I just think, yeah, but that's close to Geno's ceiling. Those other guys have a lot higher ceiling, so I'm going to draft the other guys first. It's possible he's just better than all those guys. Trevor Lawrence. Like, it's possible that he's just still better than Trevor Lawrence. He has better weapons. Do you think, was, do you think he can be better than he was last year? He finished eighth per game. Yes, I think he could. Okay. Dave, do you think Geno Smith can be better than eighth per game? First of all, you can worry about being wrong on Geno and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move him up a little bit and still take him in round nine and not lose much sleep over it. Okay. Are you reaching on Geno Smith as like the 11th or 12th quarterback off the board in your league? This would be like round three for those of you in Superflex or 2QB. Uh, maybe in those formats, you might lose a little sleep about reaching for Geno, but in a one QB league, you're, you're not going to worry about it either way. So if you believe that there's a chance that Geno could be better, just go take him in round nine before anybody do, else. Do you, about it. do you think he can be better than he was last I, year? I think he can be worse. Um, I'm nervous about him playing this well. Again, the addition of JSN is made to make life a little bit easier for him. Now there's another outlet for underneath throws teams that try and take the deep ball away, they're going to have to worry about Smith and Jigba now. What about the teams that recognize that Smith and Jigba needs to be, you know, covered closely? I I, I still feel like Gino is going to have problems against teams that bring a good pass rush against them. I, they see a decent amount of those. I believe he does not have a good POS, PSOS grade. I can look it up for you if you'd like. Here's, here's what's in Gino's favor. Over the last five years, you know the highest passing rate the Seahawks have had? Last year. Last year. 
Nope. 2020, 59.8% of the time they threw. So about oh, 60% oh, of the time. Oh, you mean, I'm sorry. I thought you meant like a NFL QB rating. No, no, no. I'm pass, pass rate, rate, not QB rating. Um, so that's pretty good. Last year, they were at 59.3. So half of a percentage point lower than their five-year high. And if they they just added Smith and Jigma, so you'd think that they're going to throw more. They might become one of those teams that throws the ball 61, 62% of the time. Um, he's got a middle-of-the-pack PSOS, 17th. Good early start to the season. I, th- I wonder if there's a way that like Geno actually gets you off to a good start and then defenses really figure out what Seattle's doing by like October. And then there's like a big stretch where Seattle's passing game just struggles. I, I don't like, and this is wrong. I think Seattle might win the NFC West. Oh um, no, they could. They could. And I don't know unless Lockett falls off or JSN's one year was a fluke or Metcalf gets hurt. I don't know how you figure – you can't guard all three of those guys. And plus, they have the running game. I talked about – And they want to throw more guys. out of the backfield. That's going to help their pass rate. Yeah, I talked about the Dolphins' offense perhaps getting solved a little bit late last year, but they don't. They didn't really have a running game that they could rely on. Like, I don't – if you can solve the Seahawks' offense, that's a failure on the offensive coaching staff because they are loaded. Um, and their offensive line looks like it's probably going to be pretty good, you know, at least right now as we speak right now. Yeah. Um, I think their right tackle is coming off major surgery, though, if I recall. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, all right. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. DeAndre Swift is someone that Heath is worried about being wrong about. He was actually number 17 per game in PPR last year. He was number 23 per game in non-PPR. But he only had three games all year with more than eight carries. And, you know, we, we remember the story with DeAndre Swift. But you're, what are you worried about being wrong about with DeAndre Swift? I mean, he's a... The second round draft pick who has shown flashes of being elite as a playmaker going to play behind probably the best offensive line in football. Um, what if he just gets all the touches that Miles Sanders did last year, only is better and stays healthy? Um, I like, I, I think it's unlikely, but I don't like to hold injuries against guys. Certain guys have enough to where I get to the point to where I do, but if if he just stays healthy and lives up to his potential in this situation, I mean, he could average six yards per carry this year. Mm-hmm. He's RB24 right now since June 1st on NFC. This is DeAndre Swift. He's going after Alexander Madison, although I don't know. I don't remember when We're the Dalvin Cook considerably thing. higher than the consensus on Madison. Uh, Cam Akers, Damian Pierce. No, I, I would say don't pay attention to the Madison one because Dalvin Cook was released after June 1st, so I'd have to change the date range. But... Uh, Cam Akers, Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, Rashad White, James Conner. That's the range we're talking about here, round six for DeAndre. And I'm pretty much Swift. drafting all those guys ahead of Swift. Same. Do you think where do you think he would go if Rashad Penny were not on the team? I don't I don't know how much that matters. Oh, that matters. That definitely matters. We're talking about a player that's definitely as long as they're all healthy. I don't know if there's a world where Swift is dominating playing time over Penny. I don't They're think anybody expects a little bit how many too. like how many games do people really expect Penny to play? Like you're thinking maybe you get a good like three, yeah. <laughs> like three yeah. games they'll be together for two in September and then one random game like around November first. Okay, um, but that's that's why Swift's value is so low. That's why we've got him ranked so low. We're scared of taking him with one of our first seven picks. And then by week four, he's either hurt and is going to average 0.0 yards per carry. Or by week four, the Eagles say, oh, you know, he's he's underwhelming and he's only getting 4.1 yards per carry. And we've got other guys that we're going to mix and match with. Plus, they've got that one other player. Who's that guy in Philadelphia that gets a lot of touchdowns right at the goal line? Who's that? <laughs> I know. I know. But. You're talking about an extremely explosive player on a team that creates a lot of explosive plays. I think it's a terrific fit. I'd be happy to take DeAndre Swift in the sixth round. I hope he stays that late because I I acknowledge that he's injury-prone, but I think Rashad Penny's the most injury-prone player I've ever seen, basically. So, I mean... Besides Will Fuller. Besides, yeah. Yeah. So it's unbelievable with, with, uh, with Penny. So you might have to wait a little while for Swift but to, to really take off. But that, I just think that he doesn't need a lot of touches in this offense to be 
at least a number two running back, you know, which is what he was last right. year. All right, how about, I shouldn't have the final word, I'm sorry. Does everybody sort of agree with that, that he can be a number two running back without a lot of touches? I've yeah. got, I did a projection on him where he, if he averages 4.7 targets per game, 6.8 carries per game, line that up against his career averages over 13 games, he can get you north of 12 PPR points per. No, oh, That's great. It's a lot of targets, but... Yeah, yeah you know, that's, that's I don't think reasonable. that's so bad for a round six or seven pick. But, but I don't. It's, just, I, it's a matter of that projection being right and him being available. Yeah, I think that's it, it got has, two other running backs and one other quarterback that are going to run the football. Yeah, no, it, Heath is saying that it's not. He's not going to get that many targets. Just seems unlikely. All right, he let's go to Cam five Akers. Targets per game in Detroit last. Uh, right, year. but this team threw the fewest passes to the running backs in the NFL last year. Okay, well, so. They, not the year Either before, they though. acquire him to try and get that part of their offense going, or yes. they they acquired a guy that they're not going to use his best strength for, which is a dumb thing to do. No, I think there's a place in the middle of that and five targets per game, though, I guess, right? Heath, like, where would you put the targets? It, it w- the dumbest thing to do would be to take targets away from A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, or Dallas Goddard and give them to a running back, any running back. Um, sure. But mm. <laughs> Goddard? I, I would rather throw it to Swift than Goddard. Um, I mean, if you're throwing it behind the line of scrimmage, I would agree. If you're throwing it 10 yards downfield, I think I'd rather yeah. throw it to Goddard. Yeah. Swift, uh, like what, how he was as a pass catcher is that he's another one of those guys like Ramondre Stevenson, that was, not to the extremes. Where I think Swift looks very good on a yards per route run basis and very mediocre on a yards per target basis, which to me is more of a reflection of the fact that Jared Goff and Ben Johnson had designed passes to Swift when he was on the field and he didn't run a lot of routes where he didn't earn targets. But when he actually was targeted, it's not like he approved. He, he was more efficient relative to league average on a yards per rush basis than he was on a yards per target basis. All right, let's move on here. Let's go to Cam Akers is another player that Heath is worried about being wrong about. What do you got? Yeah, I've got him as a low-end number two running back, and I think like the way he finished last year and the way that Sean McVay is talking about Cam Akers being a focal point of the Rams' offense, if, and this is a big if, if Matthew Stafford plays 17 games and this offense is just average instead of garbage, then I think Cam Akers could be a top-12 running back. Like If they're going to give him 20 to 25 touches per game and they could just be a, a league-average offense— then he could be a league winner at where he's being drafted. He could be the Josh Jacobs of uh, 2023. Mm. Okay, Cam Akers. Dave, 30 seconds. Uh, I'm worried that we're all too high on him. I've got him 59th. Jamie has him 60th. Heath has him 62nd. So we're all in that late round five, early round six range. That offensive line's a problem. This is a team. The defense is going to be a problem for the Rams. I don't think it's going to be as good as it's been. And so I'm a little bit worried about just how much work Cam Akers will get from week to week. But I am optimistic about the talent, which was a problem for me a year ago. I wasn't sure what we were going to get with Cam Akers. The reports out of training camp weren't great. He finished last year strong. Let's see what the training camp reports are like this year before we make a decision about moving him down. Certainly not. I'm thinking more about moving him up than down for sure. Okay. Okay. uh, Yeah, so... Kind of different views there on on Acres. Dave more worried about him being a being a bust, and Heath more worried about him being a breakout and not being high enough on Cam Acres. And the last guy on your list is Darren Waller. Last guy you'll be talking about today, Heath, or at least presenting. Darren Waller. Um, let's yeah, he was he was tight end seven. If you remove week five when he played like four snaps, Azer stat there tight end seven per game. Um, you know. But anyway, Darren Waller. Yeah, I've got him ranked like tight end 10 or 11, I think, maybe 9, 9 through 11 somewhere. And and I've kind of bumped it up a couple of times to get to that level. Um, I'm, I guess I'm worried both directions, but I'm more worried about being wrong in that he actually makes an impact for Daniel Jones. And so Daniel Jones maybe throws more than 20 touchdown passes. Because um, I do think that Waller, if he stays healthy and – hasn't lost a step could still be one of the elite options i have a hard time projecting or ranking him there because the passing production in daniel jones offense just hasn't been something that's going to produce an elite weapon at any position um but 
we've seen for other quarterbacks, adding an, a really good weapon can make a, a big increase in the quarterback's efficiency. If Waller impacts Jones instead of Jones impacting Waller, then I'm going to miss out on a great year from Waller. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think like for most of the guys that we're talking about, you know, they have to have either pretty big upside or pretty big downside, right? Uh-huh. For us, or otherwise, why would we be worried? So you obviously see potential for him to have some pretty big upside, I guess is what you were just saying. He could have a big year. But, yeah. But also he's a tight end and we know tight ends generally need touchdowns to have a, a top five season or a great season. There's not a lot of low touchdown guys and he's playing on a team that, I mean, what through 17 touchdown passes last year and has a quarterback that's only thrown more than 20 once. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you feel that way about the touchdowns? Cause I feel like to be a top five tight end, you could easily have five touchdowns. Well, five touchdowns might be 33% of the team's touchdowns. That's fine, but it's not a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's not a lot. It's just, I feel like he's going to, if he's going to be a top five tight end, I think it's going to be catches that propel him there for Waller. Well, and yet, that's still, when you're talking about a quarterback who has one season with more than 300 completions, like if he's going to have a bunch of catches, he's going to have to have 25 to 30% of the team's completions. Yeah. All right, well, that is Darren Waller. And when we come back, we'll hear Dave's players. Heath gave us Geno Smith, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and Darren Waller as players he is worried about being wrong about. He's worried that he's too low on all of those guys. All right, we'll come back and hear from Dave after this. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. And Dave, you already talked about Christian Kirk. So how about Chris Godwin is someone that you're worried about being wrong about. Godwin was so different in, in depending on the format. In PPR, he was 18th per game. In half PPR, he was 21st per game, or rather 20th per game. And in non-PPR, he was 31st per game last year. Uh, what are you worried about being wrong about in regards to Chris Godwin? He is a consensus round five pick for all of us. Uh, Jamie and I at 54th overall, Heath at 58th overall. I'm worried that that's too high. We're talking about a Bucks offense that threw the ball two-thirds of the time in 2022, the highest that any team threw the ball uh, over the last two seasons. Do you know what the second highest pass rate was over the last two seasons in the NFL? Who had it or what was it? Who had it and what was it? I'm going to say the Buffalo Bills. What was the number for the Bucks? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 6.7% of the time last year, the Bucks threw the football. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the Bucks the year before. 66.2%. Yeah. Tom Brady under center usually is a good thing for an NFL team. Baker Mayfield under center, however, as we all learned last year, not so good. Actually, we've learned that for many years with Baker. He's been terrible for wide receivers. And, uh, like I, I, I want to be out on Mike Evans, and I'm not even the lowest on Mike Evans, and I'm worried that I'm too high on Godwin. And so this actually goes back to a podcast we did. Goodness, it has to be two months ago where Heath kind of talked about Godwin and how just the absolute downswing in pass attempts is going to be enough to just completely put the kibosh on Godwin being good this year. Do you happen to have your projections open, Heath? I do. Okay, last year, um, pass attempts per game for Tampa Bay 
was 44.2. Do you have that number for what you're projecting for them this year with Baker Trask field under center? Yes, I have them at 33.3. So 11 fewer pass attempts per game. I think that's reasonable. And if that's Which is insane. (laughs) That's reasonable. Right, right, right. It, It could be lower. Right. Like if they get a run game going, if Rashad White's the real deal Holyfield, then you're not going to see them throw the ball 33 times a game. Um, I, I'm nervous that the volume will go down. For How many targets do you have for Godwin? 125. When's the last time he had that few? Uh, well, it probably, I mean, he's had injury, injury years, but that would be a, a low in terms of definitely before Brady, I would think, probably before J- Jameis. On a per-game basis, maybe it's a low? Right. Well, look, he's he's actually missed at least two games, four straight seasons. Okay, so let's just talk about like targets per game. Last year, 142 over 15 games. It's almost 10 per game. I got him at You're, 7.4 per game. Yeah, uh, the last time he was anywhere close to that had to have been 2020. That year, 12 games, 84 targets, 65 catches, 840 yards, seven touchdowns. I don't know what that comes out to in a per game basis. I just know that that's not great. No, so, it was pretty good. I mean, you're talking 84 20. plus 42. Let's do the math, you nerd. 126 plus 65. I'll tell you what he finished that year, buddy. I got the I've got the numbers here. I mean, 200 divided it's like by the 12. number 16 wide receiver in fantasy that year. All right, he was number 15. And remember, that was the year they had Rob Gronkowski catch rate with seven touchdowns. They had Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown that year. Um, although they may have only had Antonio Brown for the last eight games of that season. That's the other thing is that like that was all, he was also really efficient and scored a bunch scored quite a few touchdowns based on his targets that year. We should, I would not expect him to be efficient or score a lot of touchdowns this year. Yeah. I don't think there's been a wide receiver that scored more than six touchdowns in a season from Bless Baker you. Mayfield. I think only two have had over or three now have had over a thousand yards. Did yeah. DJ more of over a thousand last year? I think he did. No, I don't think so. Then, uh, then it's all right. We're kind of getting off track here. Cause no, the, not, the, 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 the bottom the, line is that Chris Godwin doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. And the offense isn't going to throw the ball two-thirds of the time anymore. He's not being drafted as if he has Tom Brady anymore. And he's not being drafted as if the team's going to throw that much. I don't think two rounds he... is enough. I think, I think potentially he should be taking at least one more round later. Yeah, and I, I would say that I, I would say that he's he had a bad year last year. And I think he was very, very obviously not himself coming back right, from agreed. the ACL. If you that, look at all the numbers— Right, you look at some advanced metrics like yards after catch, per catch, explosive catch rate, when you combine it with his A dot. His A dot, he's had three seasons with a pretty high A dot to begin his career, and three seasons with a lower A dot, including last year, where it was incredibly low. Um, I think you can, it's pretty clear that he just wasn't doing enough, not explosive enough, um, you know, with before and after catching the ball, basically, uh, last year. But before that, you're talking about the profile of a phenomenal wide receiver. And I think reasonable to think that if like he were completely healthy and Tom Brady were still good, you're talking about a second round pick in PPR, yep. this, right? So I think a, a fifth or sixth round pick is actually a huge discount for Chris Godwin, understandably so. Uh, you know, and I, I you know, I, he's really tough. He's really tough. I'm not so worried about being wrong about him because again, I don't think he has that huge upside anymore. But maybe he does have that huge downside. I think is the I'm case worried about being too high. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I've already moved him in. I, I thought I was around below Dave and Jamie, so I've already moved him in around six since Dave started talking. Because um, <laughs> he is one of the guys in the projections. I think I actually have him projected at like wide receiver 36, and I just moved him up in the rankings because I didn't want to be that low on him. But I do want to be low enough on him that he's not ever the guy who's at the top of my rankings um, when it's time to make a draft pick. Did, did you move him behind Jordan Addison? Yes, I think there's a, I think there's almost certainly more upside for Jordan Addison in terms of targets, in terms of yards, in terms of touchdowns. With Justin Jefferson getting 180 targets, I still think that's true. I think Minnesota is going to challenge the number of times that Tampa Bay has thrown in the last two years, and Tampa Bay is going to throw it 200 fewer times. Would you guys rather have Christian Kirk or Chris Godwin? Kirk. Uh, Godwin for now. All right. Let's go to a running back. For uh, I'll stick with a wide receiver. Go to Juju Smith-Schuster. What are you worried about here, Dave? I think I'm worried about being a little too low on him. Let me see where I've got him. Because I thought we were going to go with somebody else. Um, I got him 92nd. 
this is another player that's going to be like Geno Smith in that you don't have to reach for him by any stretch. I'm just wondering, is, is he the new slot guy in New England? Is he taking over for Jacoby Myers? He's going to be in that role. This offense will be better this year because they actually have somebody who's competent calling plays for them. Uh, and, yes, I just paid Bill O'Brien a compliment, so there's that. Um, who else is there to throw to in this offense when, when they're trailing or in a competitive game? They just signed Devontae Parker. It sounds like Hopkins might not come. I wonder if volume will be in Juju's favor, and that makes me wonder if I'm just too low keeping him close to 100th overall. They gave Parker a lot more money than they gave Juju, right? I'd have to double check. Not, so I actually was just reading it. It's really incentive-based. But Juju's is too. Is it? Juju and, and Myers signed like the same deal, right? thought so i i have not looked i can't i've been worried because juju was not healthy enough to go to otas and all i've heard out of new england is how much hunter henry and mike gasicki are on the field together and how many two tight end sets they're running well if that's the case there might only be two wide receivers on the field wouldn't juju be one of them though if he is able to play football he was hurt for the most of the second half of last year and not ready for OTAs a, a couple of weeks ago. Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know what I was saying about the Juju and Myers contracts. I think I was way off on that, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I, so, uh, sorry, Heath, do you not share the same concerns about being too low on Juju, who is, by the way, wide receiver 49 and ADP going 115th overall? That's pretty late. I think I have him lower than that. You do. I was higher. Um, his contract. No, I. I just cannot find. There it is. So yeah, he's got. Uh, he's got two years basically guaranteed. Juju, two years and sixteen million. Um, Good for him. I I understand it, but I think round ten is probably the right spot. Okay. I think I like it. I think if in in a, in a half or full PPR league, you're getting that guy on your bench with a chance for him to lead the Patriots and targets. I think that's good value. Okay, mm, really good I it was right. They both signed three-year, thirty-three million dollar deals. Now, what was guaranteed and whatnot, I I don't know, but it was. Okay, funny. I'm looking at three years, twenty-five for Juju. And what was it for Jacoby? It, Wasn't it about the same? It was originally reported at thirty-three. So nobody okay. cares. So no, but I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. How many uh, fantasy points do we get for guaranteed dollars? <laughs> well, let's talk about David Montgomery. And he's someone you're worried about being wrong about, Dave. I keep going back to thinking about two things. I think about how Jameer Gibbs was used in college and how yeah, how likely is it to change in his first year in the National Football League? And I think about how Gaga um Dan Campbell was over David Montgomery when Montgomery was on the Bears. And we're, we're, we're kind of wedging Montgomery into the Jamal Williams role where he's going to be the physical grinder between the tackles, short yardage goal line. And I, you just saw what Jamal Williams could do. I don't think Montgomery's going to do exactly that in terms of touchdowns because how can you project, what was it, 17 touchdowns? However many it was for Jamal Williams last year. But double-digit touchdowns is, isn't out of range for David Montgomery. And here's the deal on Gibbs. Three years he played college ball, two different coaching staffs, two different colleges. He was never a full-time player. He played about 53% of the snaps. Um, I don't know if that's over the course of his career or last year. I could look that up, but he was never a full-time player. He was terrible on runs inside, and he barely played near the goal line. So how does all that change? in the NFL in his first year. It it seems a little unlikely that he would do it. I'm not saying he can't be an explosive player. I'm not saying not to take Gibbs ahead of Montgomery. I'd rather have Gibbs in my PPR leagues. But I'm the low guy on Montgomery on our site, and I think I need to change that. I think he needs to be moved up, and I think he's worth – Heath's taking him in round four. I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, But if I'm in round five and I need a running back that can give me some decent value, maybe around – 11 to 12 points per week, whether it's PPR or not, that's where I'm going. 
Yeah, I mean, I've, I think my rankings speak for themselves on this one. I've one of the I've got Montgomery ahead of Gibbs still in round four, and Gibbs in round five. So I think both of these guys could be top twenty running backs pretty easily this year. I am share your feelings, Dave. You know about feeling that I'm too low on David Montgomery. I have obviously made it clear I don't think he's such a great running back, but I do wonder if this is a situation that could unlock a new level of David Montgomery. I'm more concerned about being being wrong about Jameer Gibbs and just his role. And because I think that David Montgomery, even as someone who has been so negative about David Montgomery, I do think he's one of the best values in fantasy because he's not going around four and he's not going around six. He's going even later than that. You know, you might be able to get around seven or eight based on current ADP. It's Gibbs that's, you know, going to be pushed up maybe in around three in a lot of drafts. And I'm more worried about being wrong about him. Montgomery you know, even if I'm right about him and he's not that good, I think he's going to be a great value if you're getting him around seven or eight. So, um, yeah, that's uh, it's just interesting the way everyone's on Gibbs and people are even lower than you are, Dave, on Montgomery, which is uh, which is interesting. You know, people just don't don't believe in it. I don't know. People love the new hotness. Yeah, I think you said round three in some drafts, Adam. I my expectation is that Gibbs is going to have a round three ADP by August. Yeah. If he doesn't in in high, I think he probably already does in high stakes leagues or best ball, but not in best ball because they only draft wide receivers. Yeah, he, in NFC since June first, Jameer Gibbs is RB fourteen, hmm. which will be around three pick in a lot of drafts. But in this particular, you know, they'd seem very wide receiver heavy in these drafts. He's wide, round four. Uh, all right, I think only one more player, James Cook, our last guy that Dave is worried about being wrong about. Number 10 on the list of 10 players. I don't Dave. have data to back anything up on <laughs> this. I'm just thinking about how the Bills have worked this offseason to try and diversify their passing game. And they didn't really do anything to diversify their passing game as far as running backs go. And James Cook really didn't do anything last year in the passing game to suggest that he's about to get a, a bigger role there. But we knew that coming out of college, he was really good at, at catching the football. And, and the Bills kind of underutilized him a little bit. Um, he only had six games with 10 or more touches. Five of them came in late November or later. He did score in three of his last five, including the playoffs. See, I do have some stats for James Cook. I just wonder if... This is a talented player in a high-powered offense that wants to try and change or take advantage of how defenses are playing them is really what I should say, that he ends up getting more playing time, maybe plays 55% of the snaps, and does some good things for Buffalo this year. So I wonder if I'm being a little too harsh on Cook and I don't have him ranked high enough. Do you have Cook or Harris ranked higher? I have Cook higher than Harris. How about you? Not by, a, not by a ton. 13 spots overall, not not at position overall. Yeah, I've got um I've got Cook. I'm the low guy on Cook, by the way, on the site. I might have Cook 13 spots at running back higher than Harris. Um, but I, I mostly agree with what Dave said. I think that the hard thing is is that Buffalo has to do something that they have not done. Two things, probably. They have to take some of the rushing responsibility off of Josh Allen's shoulders and something that would kind of be tied to that, that they really indicated last year they wanted to do and then didn't really. They've got to throw to their running backs even more. Um, and if they do both those things, then I think James Cook could be a top 20 type running back. I was trying to get Dave another stat. I believe I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, mm-hmm. you're gonna have to talk about James. Right, Cook let me for like let me say two this. You know, it's it's you think about Harris and and Cook, and it's very easy to just think, oh, it's gonna be like Singletary and Cook last year, or neither of them were really great for fantasy. But Damian Harris in those last three seasons has played ten, uh, fifteen, and ten games. I think, or let me hold on, ten, fifteen, and eleven games. He has missed a lot of time, and that's what. That's what keeps me up at night when I think about James Cook. I don't really worry too much if Harris is healthy, but if he's not healthy, then I feel I feel like I'm probably not going to draft a lot of James Cook, but if Harris gets hurt, that could be a big mistake on my part, not drafting Cook. Sure. Obviously. Because Singletary yeah, never I got hurt, it. really. I mean, Singletary just always stayed healthy. Right. I, I think there's a chance that Damian Harris could just not be um, – just not be that good, and Cook could take touches from him. I think that's possible. 
Well, why do you think they signed Damian Harris? Why do you think they let go of Devin Singletary and signed Damian Harris? Um, and I'm just asking. I don't know. I'm not sure if I probably have a they probably uh, I don't know more physical, but Singletary is fairly physical. I I don't know, Dave. And the thing is, though, it's he's. Don't you feel like he's going to have to do more than just take some touches from him? I I don't know how you're a successful Bills running back unless you're more or less the only guy. Like we saw that stretch or, of Singletary two years ago at the end of the season. Or you're catching a buttload of passes. Right, but that's just never happened. Th- right, it's never happened. But let's ask this hypothetical question. Why did they draft James Cook in the first place? Thought it was for that reason. <laughs> right. Everybody did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and it takes a while for for a team to trust a, a rookie running back to do that, to do specifically that. It doesn't happen every day where a rookie comes in. Like in the case of Bijan, I'm expecting that. I'm counting on that. With Gibbs, I'm counting on that. That's what he was best at. We'll see if if Cook can prove in his second season that he can he can bring that element. Can he get five targets per game? That would be a surprise to me, but. <laughs> be high for well it's a surprise based on the offense that he's in but i think buffalo is trying to change what they're doing I don't, all i know is stefan Diggs is going to be a super happy guy if james cook's getting five targets a game and dalton kincaid's getting 120 targets and it's, it's <laughs> the Diggs is going to be just right There's, on board i don't think I, I don't it, think either of those guys are yeah. getting either of those things. The Rosies, I mean, the, as the Dal- I, if I am the Dalton Kincaid guy, I don't know, but 120 targets seems ridiculous. To, I don't think that would happen. Someone's hurt if Dalton Kincaid is getting 120 targets. Yeah, I feel like if Dalton Kincaid is getting 120 targets, or fill in the blank, if Dalton Kincaid is getting 120 targets as a rookie, then he should be the blank pick in rookie drafts. Fourth. Fifth. 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 Maybe sixth. But he is going in like the eight to ten range in most of the rookie drafts I'm in now, and I would still wouldn't take him in round one. So I would, because I think he could eventually be ninety targets a season. All right, let's read some emails. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. This one comes from Kyle. Go Bills. He says, Hey, Eric and Derek. And Jarek, I drive a lot for my job, so I listen to every episode, but I rarely take the time to write in because I'm driving. But I thought I'd sit down and get these thoughts off my chest. Why are we, and by we I mean you, Adam, confining the Eric joke to a single name when it works so well for multiple names? Let the good times roll, please. It's also odd that there isn't a notable Eric in fantasy football right now. A great line from a great movie getting swept under the rug. Also, why are we separating kickers and DST? A kicker is a special teams player, and a field goal is a special teams play. What do you guys think about that? I I'm not separating you... either of them. I put them in the same spot. <laughs> Someone else's league. Yes. Uh, why... I think that's how kickers come back into fantasy, is that they're lumped in with DSTs. And I've tried to, I've tried to convince the powers that be at CBS. Can you make a setting where the kicker and the DST is just one big unit and they're like, well, why can't you just have the same, somebody drafts a DST and they automatically get that team's kicker. And I said, cause that's just more work. Just put it all together. Mm. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Probably cause like four people would use it. Why aren't you talking about how every other team in the league is going to copycat the Philly scrum? And why is it going to benefit guys like Josh Allen more than Patrick Mahomes, Heath? Well, because all the Bills are doing is talking to us about how they do not want Josh Allen to run so much. Wasn't one of Cam Newton's big injuries towards the end? And I, I'm just going to bring Cam Newton up every, <laughs> you, every time, time. He's your somebody guy. talks about Josh Allen. Um, but wasn't one of his big injuries at the end trying to dive into the end zone on one of those types of plays where he just took a monster hit to the shoulder? I don't remember I, it with I remember. Cam. I remember it with Mahomes, though. Well, Mahomes dislocated his knee, and they have literally not run a quarterback sneak with him since. He will not be doing that. It'll be right. if if the Chiefs start doing that, then it's going to be Noah Gray in the Taysom Hill role. Right mm. there, you go. Okay, uh, why am I still holding on to Zach Ertz in my dynasty league? That's another question. Um, because if he stays on the Cardinals, he's probably going to be a top twelve tight end for a while. And he might get traded. 
Define and a while. Wait, hold on. Let's move on. As long as he's healthy. Okay. Like, so why would Zach Ertz games. be much worse than he was last year? Okay, anyway. We don't have time for this, do we? And uh, he put a uh, GIF in, or GIF, sorry, GIF. We don't do GIF anymore. Why is this all I can think about when you, Adam, Dan, and Jacob are on Beyond the Box score? And it was a GIF from The Simpsons of a newscaster talking about the astronauts going into space and going, a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. So that's what he thinks about when we do Beyond the Box score. Fair. Is that Ken Brockman? Hey. I don't... think it was i have to check but i didn't think it was a happy early birthday to chris towers i forgot about that yeah you know i don't like you having control of the comments i i I really i love it i don't like it it's i've really tried it brings a whole new level to the youtube stream i could tell adam that i can tell every time i use it that you don't like it and i have this fear that at some point you're going to take it away from me and so i'm trying not to use it too much i can't take it away i Yes, I can take it away from you. I will <laughs> take it away. No, I can't take it away from you. All right, here's a keeper question here from oh, Dave. Give me a name in a city. Barbara from Montgomery, Alabama. Barbara says nine to nine keeper super flex league standard scoring. I have the third overall pick. He tells us who he's keeping, which includes one quarterback. For uh, would you keep for his last keeper? Stafford, Lance, or James Cook in a standard scoring league? Superflex. Hmm. So he only has Dak. Yeah. And he has the third overall pick. I would keep James Cook. You can take Stroud or, or Bryce Young, whichever one you prefer, whichever one's still there. Or do you keep Stafford, keep it in win now mode? Oh, it's a standard league. Oh, do you get Gibbs with three? Or do you go receiver with three? Or do you do what Heath suggested? Yeah, maybe you go with Cook, and then you draft the quarterback at three because it's non-PPR. Although, why are you keeping Cook if it's not? I don't know. Cook is probably the best answer. Cook and the, the QB at three. Okay. Or Cook and the best player available at three, and then maybe try to make a trade. Well, the only way the best player available, in my opinion, it's a super flex league, right? Yes. Yes. So the only way a best player is not a quarterback is if Bijan falls to three, and then you're just going to be dancing in the street. Not happening. Okay. No I dancing. Mean, you could, in theory, I, I could see some people uh, taking, because he thinks Bijan, he says Bijan and Richardson will be off the board. So if right. you just aren't sold on any other quarterback, yeah. you could take Gibbs, you could take JSN. I, I or would something. say, okay, that's possible. And I would understand that. I understand people who are not sold on Young and Stroud as top 10 QBs. I I don't understand people who think they're going to be worse than like 15th to 18th long term for dynasty purposes. Like they're going to be they're good quarterbacks. Okay, here's one from Jason. Happy 4th to you guys. Thanks for all you do. Happy 4th to you, Jason. 10 team 2 QB dynasty league PPR and 6 point per touchdown. Um, all right, it's champion two years ago, runner-up last year, still in win-now mode. I have pick 102 in the rookie draft because of a trade. The guy with 101 might take Richardson because he needs a quarterback or two. It's two QBs. If he does take Richardson, I'll take Bijan. If he's smart and takes Bijan, should I take Richardson or go for it this year with Gibbs and be a little risky with my quarterback situation? He has Josh Allen, Tua, and Cousins. Oh, dude, your quarterbacks are great. Yeah, you go Gibbs. Yeah, go Gibbs, right? Who are, did you read off his running backs? No, they're not great. Eckler, Miles Sanders, Antonio Gibson, Algier, Gainwell, Hubbard, Zamir White, Josh Kelly. You should try and give the world for one on one. Just go to the dude and say, "What do you What do you want for one on one?" Yeah, I I give I'd give one hundred and two, and you whatever 111 or 12 you have from this year as well, and a 2024 first, and just go get Bijan. Yeah. Okay. This is from Litos. Hey, Bo, Josh, and Marcus. Come on. Raiders running easy. backs. Yeah, there you go. I need some help with my two super flex, six-point-per-passing touchdown keeper leagues. Maybe just one. Yeah, one league will do. Half PPR, my long-standing league, my first year going to super flex, 
I anticipate the top 16 quarterbacks will be kept, except for, obviously, Anthony Richardson. I'm keeping Lamar Jackson in the second round, but which other two players should I keep? Remember, QB will be scarce here. So, Jordan Love in the 10th, J.K. Dobbins in the 9th, Calvin Ridley in the 13th, or Christian Watson in the 13th? I can't pass up those receivers. Mm. You'll find a quarterback to, to draft. I would take Watson and Love. No. Oh. Dave, you like Ridley or Watson better? I believe... Let me check. Which Well, who do I like better in Dynasty? It's Watson. That's not even close. Mm-hmm. Do you want to know for a redraft or... This is a keeper league. This, thing this is not a Dynasty league. How many years can you keep them? Can you keep Didn't them? Didn't that used to be one of our jokes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I don't care anymore, Dave. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody have a wonderful 4th of July. Heath's very legit, very existence dynasty show is going to air tomorrow in this feed. And <laughs> That's what we call it. Heath's very legit dynasty <laughs> show. Trying to get that to the graphic. Yes. Um, anyway, That's enjoy your holiday. And uh, we'll be back Tuesday with the pre-recorded show and Wednesday with a new one. And, uh, later. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.